This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Amazing, amazing shiur on Eshet Chayel, we say every Friday night. And let's try and understand what we're saying. Let's try and understand the context. Amazing. Well, the background information is it was written by King Solomon, Shlomo Melech, the wisest person that ever lived and will ever live as Rav Hashem. And uh, it's written at the end of his book of Mishle. His book of parables actually ends off. It's an amazing ending to end up the whole book of parables with this song, Eshet Chayil, which we sing every Friday night. And King Solomon, obviously, in his wisdom, wrote this book. And the question is, who did he talk about in the story? Who does he write about? But we have, before we can even talk about that, we have to first go to the beginning of the chapter where Eshachayel is, and that's chapter 31 in the book of Proverbs, chapter 31 book of Proverbs. And here he has an amazing introduction, which is a wild introduction, that if you've never read it inside, you'll never know about this introduction. It's chapter 31. Again, everyone should recommend, highly recommend it to look at chapter 31 of the book of Proverbs, the introduction, Divrei Lemuel Melech Masa, Asher Yisartu Imo, the words of Lemuel, the king of Masa, whose mother rebuked him. Okay, this is how the chapter with Eshachayel starts off. So who is this king Lemuel? So the classic commentators say it's Shlomo Hamera. King Solomon was called Lemuel. Why was he called Lemuel? And there we have a little background in the Midrash, it's a midrash in Bamidbar Rabbah. Midrash Rabbah, Rabbi Ishmael says the story that King Solomon, on the same day he was meant to dedicate the new temple. He just built this brand new temple in Jerusalem. The first temple was built by King Solomon. And on the day he was meant to dedicate the temple, he was late. What happened? The night before he had married the queen, the daughter of Pharaoh the princess of Egypt, and she had this beautiful music and dancing and the wedding, and he couldn't get up in time to dedicate the Bet HaMikdash. Can you imagine? He was late. He woke up late, woke up four hours into the day. He woke up very late, and the time for the morning sacrifice was passing. Who's going to go and wake up the king? No one has the nerve to wake up the king. His mother, Bathsheba, goes wakes up the king and she rebukes him. Wow, she rebukes him. So uh, that's the beginning, the introduction to this beautiful song is the rebuke of his mother, Ma Bari, Ma Barbitni. What, my son, the son of my own womb. You're not an adopted son. You are the son of my own womb. You are the son of which I made many vows to get a son like you. She gives him two pieces of advice. Obviously, he was uh, busy with all his wives, concubines. Don't give all your strength to the women. And keep away from wine. Don't be like the other kings who drink wine and beer and get drunk. So two wise words to her son Shlomo who had gone slightly off the path. He got up late to dedicate the Beremidash. Can you imagine? That's, very, that's a very poignant idea to get up late, to build this brand new temple, the first temple. Everyone's waiting. Throngs and throngs of worshippers are waiting. 
all the Jewish people are waiting outside and he is inside his palace sleeping with his new bride, the queen, the princess of Egypt, and he is forgetting. So this Midrash is brought down by Rashi over here, brought down by Surah David, brought down by all the classical commentators. It's a Midrash, amazing Midrash. And that's why he's called Lemuel over here. Why is he called Lemuel? So Rabbi Ishmael says in the Midrash that he threw off himself the yoke of Shammai, the yoke of heaven. He threw the yoke of heaven from himself. Lo el. Lam, lama lo el. Why is his God? Why is, uh, why does he have why is God his God? So Lamma Loel, called Lemuel for short. So Lemuel is a short form of why does he have God? Why is he, he's, in other words, he is uh, throwing off the yoke of God. His name was changed to Lemuel from Shlomo for this one time. His mother comes to rebuke him. He threw off the yoke of God by getting up late to dedicate the first temple. Amazing. So this is the introduction. This is the introduction to Eshachayil, a very strange introduction to Eshachayel and so therefore the first idea we have is who was this Eshachayel, who was this amazing woman, this woman of valor who the story is all about so first opinion is his mother, the mother who rebuked him, Batsheva rebuked him and she was the one who uh, was uh, was uh, the whole story is about her, the whole song is about her, when we sing Eshachayel so Eshachayel can be read on many different levels who is this woman that King Solomon is praising. Uh, let's just go through it very quickly. Who are this? We have a few different options in the commentaries. Who is this woman? So number one is we have to understand. Eshet Chayil is an acrostic. What does that mean? It goes right through the alphabet of the Hebrew alphabet. Starts with an aleph and ends with taf. If you look it through the people don't people don't realize that they read every day, every week, every every Shabbat, every Friday night. And we don't realize it starts with an aleph and ends with the tuff. It goes every single line starts with the letter of the aleph bet, all the way from aleph all the way to tuff. Twenty-two letters of the Hebrew alphabet are mentioned in the whole song of Eshchayel. Eshchayel is an acrostic, starting with the aleph and going right through the tuff to tell us. So there's two reasons why why is this an acrostic? Why use this aleph bet system to for the Eshchayel? Number one is to, to be easy to remember. That's one opinion, to be easy to remember. It's an easy thing to remember. You have, you have to know the verses. One starts with Allah, next one starts with Bed. It's much easier to remember. And the second reason is to teach us about Shlemut. Shlemut means perfection. Perfection is Allah to Taf. Perfection, if you have the whole alphabet over there, you have perfection. So this is the perfect ideal woman. That's the Pshat, the simple explanation of Eshachayel is it's an acrostic. It's talking about the virtues of the most perfect woman you can find, anyone can find in the world. These are the virtues of the most perfect women. Obviously, there are many different levels of meaning in Eshkayel, because we know the Torah is pardes, pshat, remes, drash, sod, simple meaning, hidden meanings uh, alluded to, drashod, which are deeper meanings, and sod, which are the secrets of the Torah. Here we're talking about the simple meaning of, we're going to go through the simple meaning of Eshachayil and the different interpretations given. So who is Eshachayil talking about? Simplicity, the woman who just rebuked him, who rebuked him, his mother, Bacheva rebuked him for getting up late to dedicate the temple. It's talking about her. That's number one. Number two, it's talking about this ideal woman. You don't know her name. Maybe this woman does not exist, never did exist. It's talking about an ideal of womanhood. 
it's an allegory. Some other people say it's an allegory for the Torah. The Torah itself, is the beautiful woman is the Torah, Torah. Number th uh, three is talking about the soul of a human being. Now that's a very deep Kabbalistic concept. Or it's talking about the queen, the Shabbat queen that we greet straight after, right? We sing Shalom, Shalom Aleichem, Aleichem Shalom. We sing the song Lechadodi before in, in RV. Lechadodi Likrat Kala, the Kala, who is this Kala? The Kala bride is Shabbat. So who is this beautiful woman? Who is this major woman? This woman is Shabbat. Or it's talking about uh, one of our greatest leaders, Moshe Rabbeinu. Okay, that's a little bit of Ramazi, a little bit of, of uh, hints. But let's go to the simple meaning. It's talking about an ideal woman. Well, who is the ideal woman? 22 verses, the acrostic, the whole alphabet. And it's interesting because it's right. It seals the book of Mishlei. It seals the book of Proverbs. What a way to seal the book of Proverbs. Can you imagine what a way to seal it? Talking about this ideal woman, Proverbs. What's it going to do with Proverbs? Eshet uh, Chayel ending the book of Proverbs. In the 31st chapter of Proverbs, why is Shlomo Menach talking about this ideal woman at the end of the book of Proverbs? Okay, we have to understand that, and we have to talk about that. And uh, one of the uh, themes in, in this Eshachayel is a theme that goes through uh, Shlomo Menach's books, which is interesting. He's married to all these women. He says, uh, uh, Grace is lies, and beauty is vanity. This is a theme that goes right through his works. The idea that don't look at the outside wrapping of a person, look at the inner content. Don't look at the outside wrapping, look at the inner content. And that's a beautiful idea which goes right through his works. Ken Yofi is Sheker and Hevel. Ken and Yofi, grace and beauty are lies and vanity. Who is the woman who is perfected is a woman with Yirat Shammai, with fear of heaven, who uh, follows the golden path of the Torah. That is the final, uh, the final crown on her head, is the, the path of the Torah. And that's a theme that goes right through Kohelet, the theme of Yirat Shammai. So the Barakol Nishma, the end of the book of Kohelet, ends with a similar line. The end of the matter is serve God and keep his commandments, and that is that's the whole purpose of man. So it's a similar theme that goes right through Kisamon's works. Don't look at the wrapping, but look at what's inside. Look at the content. Look at the uh, person, personality within. Not just the wrapping, but the personality within. Okay, now we're going to go through very quickly this Eshechayim. Let's just read it in English. And then we're going to explain it. So what are the virtues that Solomon talks about? So he starts with the virtue of trustworthy. This woman is trustworthy. So uh, she's trustworthy. Why? So who can find a woman of valor? One who is diligent and honest. She's worth more than pearls. And happy is a person who finds her. So what is the main thing? Number three, number one is her husband trusts her. There has to be trust in a relationship. Otherwise, the relationship is going to fall apart. And one of the main things in marriage is trust. So I don't have to worry when I go away. I trust my wife implicitly. And, and that is a very important theme in an Eshet is she trusts the husband. When it doesn't say that, it says the husband trusts her. 
and, and game does not lack. She's not lacking any game. So number one is she has this trait that builds family, builds unions, builds friendship, is this idea that we can trust each other. Trust is the building block of any relationship. And that is the like number one key to understand this theme that goes right through this Eshet Chayil. Number two, she gives him kindness and never evil. This idea of kindness we're going to talk about. She gives her husband kindness. Every act she does for him is an act of kindness. Making the beds in the morning, cooking the food, and going to work and providing all these acts of kindness. She does good for him and never bad all the days of your life. This is a very important rule in marriage that it's consistency of goodness, of kindness to each other that keeps the marriage alive, keeps the marriage going. It's a daily, daily consistency, daily chores um, that we have to try and keep the marriage alive. So that is something which we have to talk about. That's a theme in Eshet Chayil, the one of trust, doing goodness, kindness, which we're going to talk about. Uh, number, t- uh, number three, this, the third theme is the theme of she supports the house, that she is a very important piece, the cog in the wheel that supports the house in terms of financial support. Dasha Temu Fishtim, she seeks on her own the wool and the linen she needs for us and willingly works hard with her hands. She shows initiative and does more than what she is required to do. This is amazing. She takes on herself extra chores to provide for the house. That is a very important rule. And uh, she even plants a vineyard. Imagine. <laughs> she provides means of sustenance. She's like a merchant ship bringing blessings and food to her household. She travels far for their food. So even though it's the husband's obligation of Jewish God to support his wife, she is going beyond the bounds of her responsibilities and, and trying to provide as well, trying her best to support her husband. She gets up in the middle of the night before dawn, she says, to provide better food for her family and her maids. And this is amazing, this idea of industriousness, which is a theme that goes through Michelet as well, we're going to talk about. Um, so it's, she's, she's busy, she's providing. Uh, number four is she is producing. She produces. Uh, she is working with her hands and she's producing things. She's producing, uh, she's producing different clothes um, that are made of wool, made of linen, and she's producing she is industrious, she is producing, and uh, she worries about her family. Sophia, she worries, she looks at the needs of her family and she provides what the family needs. So that's number five. She is providing for her family, she worries about her family. And the Merchak uh, she goes away to go and bring the bread. Now, this is, uh, she's looking for some kind of um, investments that can provide for her house. And uh, number seven, she has wisdom. She is a woman of understanding. Again, Shlomo Hamelech is praising wisdom. This is a theme that goes, goes right through his books. The importance of wisdom, the key to everything is wisdom. And this woman has wisdom. 
Uh, she has her lips open with wisdom. She doesn't talk frivolous talk. Everything is wise. She knows how to speak. She knows when to speak. She knows what words to use to her advantage and to her household's advantage, her husband's advantage, and her household's advantage. And then it ends off, Torah combines over here the idea of chesed. This is number eight, chesed. Her speech is a speech of kindness. Even the way she speaks to people is a speech of kindness. She speaks in a very nice tone. She speaks in a very sweet way. It's a speech that you love to hear. A man would love to hear from his wife, and a wife would love to hear from her husband. A sweet uh, tone of kindness and giving, and what do you need, what do you want, what do you lack? What can I do for you today, dear? What can I do to help? So amazing. And then it ends off uh, this idea of giving to the poor. Number eight, it's not just the husband. We're going to talk about concentric circles of kindness. We're going to talk about this and this small uh, little song. There's amazing ideas, concentric circles of kindness that go outward and then go back inward. We're going to talk about. And finally, um, number nine is Yerachamai. Right, she has the trait of your mind. So I just want to read it quickly in English, and then I'm going to go into more of details of uh, who this person was. She is a very savvy businesswoman. She knows a good deal when she sees it, and she will not remain silent until she buys the field. She plants her own vineyard. She tightens her belt firmly and works with confidence. She strengthens her arm with work. Knowing that her handiwork is commercially viable, she's industrious and works late at night, if need be. She's capable and knows how to work the spindle, how to operate the distaff. So even though she's a businesswoman, she does not abandon the work's industriousness, physical labor. She stretches her hand out to the poor and reaches forth to the needy to help. Even when a person is too ashamed to take, she goes to find them. So first, person comes to her, she spreads her hand with kindness to the poor person, and then she sends out her hand to people who are too, too uh, ashamed, embarrassed to look for help. She helps them. Uh, no weather conditions, even snow, prevent her from providing for her family. She always makes sure they are finely dressed and properly dressed um, in warm clothing in the winter, which is hard in those days, she would make the clothing for a family or provide for them. And she would make bedding for herself and her clothing was of the finest linen and purple material. She, her husband is known to all because, the different opinions Rashi says, because of the beautiful clothes she makes for him. And he sits among the elders with her support. He is one of the leaders in the, in the town. Sadin Astartipur, she manufactures and sells uh, different garments to the sages and belts to the merchants. She's clothed in strength and dignity. She's always in good humor. So she is going to have a good reputation. Her clothing is lasting and beautiful. She'll be saved from God's judgment. And Rashi says she is happy in all time. Her, she speaks wisely and has a kind word at all times. Everything she says is wise. She teaches loving kindness. She teaches and is quick in doing kindness for people. She is always concerned about the welfare of her home and family, taking note of their needs, and that they behave truthfully and modestly, Rashi adds, seeing what is good, what is bad, 
and only eats what she has to quickly and it gets right back to her work. This refers to the Torah, Rashi says, which teaches the good way and the abandonment of sin. She corrects her household humbly with fear of God. Her children and her students will get up, Rashi adds, students will rise and bless her. And her husband abounds in her praise. Malbim adds, she is blessed in the world to come by means of having good children, and she's praised in this world by her husband. Rabot Banot Azuhayo, many women have done well. You have exceeded them all. Grace is deceitful, and beauty is superficial. The woman who fears God is the one who will be praised. So this is a beautiful ending to the psalm, the last line. Tenulam priyadeha, give her a just due. All the praises and glory she is due. Hallelujah, And the fruit of her hands and her deeds will praise her to all the gates where the important people will sit. She will re- receive glory and eminence, vigor, honor and prestige, Rashi says. Beautiful ending to this psalm, this ode to this woman, whoever she was. So let's just go through some commentaries. Hazal, our great rabbis tell us, when they explain Sefer Mishle, that who is this woman talking about? He's talking about, number one, Batsheva, as we said, his mother. Uh, number two is he's talking about the, the Torah itself. Number three is he's talking about wisdom. It's an allegory talking about wisdom. Uh, number four is talking about this ideal woman. We don't know who it is. And number five, it's talking about his grandfather, Yishai's grandmother, who is that Ruth. And we find some similarities in the ways that Boaz, the husband, praised his wife, Ruth. So we can identify with this woman and by the similarities. Some people say, Shomo Melestor, his great-great-grandmother. And who is this Ruth? And we see some similarities because it says about Ruth, Yodea kol shar ami Use the words eshet Boaz says to Ruth, before he marries her, everyone in the house, in the gates knows that you are this woman of valor. You are the Eshachayel. Exactly the same words Eshachayel is used about Ruth. Her husband is known in the gates. The same word, the gates. Whose gates? We're talking about, talking about the gates of the city where the Sanhedrin sat. Boaz was known in the gates. He was the head of the Sanhedrin. Where he sat with the elders of the ground, which is Boaz. And Boaz, Allah Hashar, says, he went to the gate and he sat there, and he took 10 men from the elders of the city and he told them to sit with him. So some people say he's talking about Ruth. We have some identification, some key words which match in the story of Ruth, and the key words, Eshechayel, the story over here. However, it's probably talking about Bathsheba, I think. My feeling is all about Bathsheba. Anyway, this this thought, this song is sung on Friday nights, as you mentioned. It's uh, was this this was initiated by the Kabbalists of Sfat, by the Arizal in the 16th century. Arizal and his uh, comrades, the big Kabbalists of Sfat, initiated saying this the song Eshet Chayil every Friday night in the Beit Midrash of the Arizal, the students of Arizal. And they they said they said they saw it as an allegorical talking about Shabbat. They said Boy Kala, Shabbat bride, and Eshet Chayil is talking about the Shabbat bride. Okay.
So we find there's different opinions. Who is the psalm? Who is the song at the end of Sefer Bishlei and the book of parables talking about? Um, there's another custom which is to say this psalm for a woman in her eulogy when she passed away after 120 years. The custom is sing this beautiful psalm as an ode to the woman who passed away. So it's part of a eulogy. Okay, let's move on. So let's go through some interesting ideas over here. So we said it's, it goes right through the Alephet. And uh, what's interesting is it starts off with Eshachai, the Aleph. And uh, Kfar talks about there's two different opinions in the rabbis and the Hazal. Why is it an acrostic? Why does it go with the Aleph Bet? So number one is we said to aid the memory, that people remember it. Not everything was written down in those days. Uh, not many people had books. And not many people could know how to read. So it was said, it was learned by heart. And if you can remember, it's in the Aleph Bet. person will be able to remember the verses using the Aleph Bet as an aid to the memory. Number two, we said it refers to Shlemut, which is completion. All the praise of this woman from Aleph all the way to Bet. We see this also in the book of Echa, which is Lamentations. In three weeks' time, we're going to say, over oh, just over three weeks, we're going to say the book of Echa. In Tishabab, we say Echa. It's also written in the Aleph Bet format from Aleph to Taf. And the reason given over there is for the mourners, the wailers, to remember the, the, the verses. That's what the Midrash says over there. Okay, so it's interesting. There's another way of looking at it is this idea of shleimut, this idea of completion. So Rav Acha says in the Midrash, Kol shera, a person who marries a kosher woman. Imagine that. You know, the laws of kashrut apply to food. Now, we have this concept that kashrut applies to a person's spouse, a kosher woman, a religious woman, a righteous woman, a woman with yirat shamayim, is as if he keeps the Torah from Aleph to the Taf. A person who marries the special woman is credited with keeping the Torah from Aleph to Taf. Amazing, Aleph to Taf. That's why it's an acrostic. Aleph to Taf, the Midrash Rabbah in, in Ruth, the Book of Ruth, we said, some people say it's talking about the Book of Ruth. The Midrash Rabbah in the Book of Ruth, on the Book of Ruth, says it's talking about, who's it talking about? Abraham Avin, who kept the Torah from Aleph to Taf. And that's why he was merited to marry this woman, Eshet Chayil, his wife, Sarah. So we have another view in the Midrash on the book of Ruth. It's not talking about Ruth. It's talking about the Sarah, Sarah, the wife of Abraham. He kept the Torah out of the Taf. He, was, he merited this woman, Sarah, to be his wife. He kept the whole Torah from out of the Taf as well. Beautiful idea. And there's another Midrash. It's the Midrash Tilim. Just like the Torah was given to Israel with 22 letters of the alphabet, in other words, the Torah consists of the alphabet, different words and different formulae. So too, Shlomo Melech praises these women who keep the Torah with 22 letters. So amazing ideas over here. Very beautiful ideas brought down by Hazal. What is the story? What is this ancient Chayel? Who is this ancient Chayel? So beautiful ideas over here. So now we come to some more ideas of Eshet Chayil. So number one, we said, is this idea of a woman who 
helps her husband. She does chesed to her husband. She gives good and not bad to her husband all the days of her life. This is the first idea we get, this first uh, way of the of uh, talking about this woman. The adjectives are all about her chesed, kindness. What excuse from this woman of valor is kindness. Kindness, number one, with the closest person to her in her life. We talk about concentric circles over here that go outward and outward. So first, let's start with the innermost circle, her husband. She gives goodness, she does kindness with her husband all the days of her life. There is no off days. You know, some people have off days. You know, one day I'm nice, one day I'm nasty, one day I'm this, one day I'm kind, one day I'm me. She does good all the days of her life to her husband. The innermost circle, a benzug in, in, Jewish, uh, in Jewish terminology, a benzug, a batzug. She, the husband is the zug, the other part of her, the pair. So the zug, the batzug, it really talks about the old uh, Hebrew is a scissor. A scissor is called a zug. It's a pair. It's a pair of cutting instruments. We don't view a scissor as a pair, but it is. One blade without the other, we're not cut. So two, a zug. Uh, one half of a family unit would not work without the other half. So it's a batzug. She's a batzug. She's his batzug. She looks after him. She's the other side of the, of the scissor. She's the other side of the implement. She is looking after him. She has good kindness. What overflows from this little song is kindness. First with her husband. And then, he trusts her implicitly. She can do whatever she wants. He trusts her. She goes where she wants. He trusts her. He knows where she's going. He trusts her implicitly. There's got to be trust in a relationship. So, uh, so he trusts her. Interesting. But now in concentric circles, she's building outwards. She gives her family. First with her husband. Now she's doing chesed with her family. And then with her maids. She does chesed with her household. So first the husband, innermost circle. Now she moves out concentric circles, ever widening concentric circles to people in the household, maids, people who work in the household, people who work in her factories, making garments. All these are concentric circles. And then she moves on. Um, she gives to the poor. Her hands open up to the poor. And she sends out her, her arm to the poor people who don't ask. We said there's two kinds of poor people. People who are not embarrassed to ask and people who are embarrassed to ask. She looks after both of them. She gives to the people who are not embarrassed to ask. And then she sends out to the poor who are too embarrassed to ask. And so it's a beautiful idea that now it's another concentric circle, outward circle. She's now from her husband to her household and now to people in need. So the, uh, the uh, Ibn Ezra comes along, she says, Lechem, Lechem, he gives the poor, she gives the poor bread. And uh, it's built on another pasuk in the Yeshayahu Anavi, Halo Paros Lira'av. Lachmecha, give to a person who's hungry a bread and uh, brings another and then it says in Devarim, also it says in Devarim if there will be a poor man among you don't harden your heart and don't close off your hand 
you will surely open your hand. This is a pasuk in Devarim chapter 16, verse 8, 7 and 8. And that's, okay, there's a line in uh, Eshachar is built on that verse. She opens the hand. She has a close hand. She opens the hand to the poor. And number four, she goes ever-widening circles. Hagor not the Kanani. So now it's a big debate. Who is this Kanani? Who is this Kanani? She's helping a Kanani. She's doing uh, business with a Kanani. So the simple explanation is this Kanani is not talking about a Kananite. It's talking about a classic uh, merchant. So that's a built on a pasuk in Yeshayahu. Yeshayahu, the prophet says in chapter 23, verse 8, Asher Sahareha Sarim Kenaneha. So he links the Kananim to Sukharim, merchants, the Kananim, and it says the Kanani, she does business with the Kanani. I have ever widening circles of Chesed, she's doing business. That's also kind of Chesed, doing business with someone. You're making them rich as well. So that's a kind of Chesed, keeping someone alive. Uh, don't teach, don't give them the fish, teach them how to fish. Give them business, giving someone business also an act of kindness. We don't view it as an act of kindness. When you go to a store and you buy something from the store, you're doing an act of kindness. You're giving them the, profit, you know, the profits of that sale. So it's an act of kindness. When you hire a workman, you're doing them kindness. They don't view it as a kindness. It's the highest, one of the highest levels of kindness is giving someone a job. The highest level of kindness is giving someone a job. The eight levels of kindness, the Rambam brings down the laws of tzedakah. The highest level is giving someone a job or giving them a free loan. This way, they don't think they owe you anything. That's the highest level of kindness. So here, she's giving kindness to a Kanani, someone she doesn't know, a stranger. And even it could be even a non-Jew. That's what it's talking about. Kanani could be a non-Jew, a merchant, someone she doesn't know, ever widening concentric circles of kindness. Sofiyali and she gives everyone in the household, she tells them what to do. She educates them. She gives them Musar ethics, just like we saw at the beginning of the chapter that Shlomo Melech's mother is rebuking him to stay sleeping, but he should be dedicating the bed of Iktash, the first temple. She's educating them with Sniyut, which is modesty, which is lacking today. She educates them in ethics and morality and how to behave at home. So all this is part of the chesed she does. We don't view it. Teaching, we don't view it as chesed. You know, you rebuke someone, your children, you're actually doing them a kindness. You lead them on the right path. That is something which is lacking today. This idea of, of educating children with morality and ethics is something which unfortunately we're seeing this breakdown of society, murder in the schools because we're not educating children of the sanctity of life and the importance of ethics, the importance of morality, the importance of value of life. We're not teaching them enough. And this is what this Eshet Chayel does in the house. Sophia Halichot Beta, she looks to the uh, uh, welfare of a household, not just a physical welfare, but also a, a spiritual welfare. After this, we find that the song turns upside down. From ever-widening concentric circles, the circles are now getting narrower and narrower. Uh, why? So we can imagine now this woman is going through life. In her youth, she's widening the circles of a chesed of kindness. And now when she gets this middle age point, she is now, I can't do so much anymore. I'm now uh, lessening these circles. And we're going to see how she shortens the circles so she comes back to the original uh, inner circle of a husband. Let's see how this 
the song. It's interesting, beautiful idea over here. You can, when you say the Eshachai next time, just notice how the, the concentric uh, circles of kindness are widening the first half of the song. And then the concentric circles of kindness are shortening and getting smaller the next half of the song. So let's see. So uh, starting from verse 28, the circles are getting narrower. So it starts again. First, it goes to her, her husbands and her husband and her children are praising her. And eventually it says, So it goes back to the husband. The last verse goes back to the husband and the children, the inner circle of her kindness. Let's see that. So the, let's go let's go into uh, widening circles and go back to narrowing circles. So the first half of the song we said, 10 verses from verses 10 to 20. Um, it talks about the ever-widening concentric circles of her kindness. It starts with her giving to her husband. It goes on to the household, all the children, people in the household. It goes to kindness to the poor. It goes to people who are not in the household, the poor people not in the household. Then it goes to uh, the, uh, the merchants who are definitely not part of the household, probably not, not even part of a city. And then it comes to the smaller circles, the less than circles. In the second half of the song, from verses 21 to 31, um, the circles are getting narrower. So first she gives the Kanani, which we said was the non-Jews or the merchants. And then it goes down to the, goes down to, uh, to the smaller circle. It goes down to a household and it goes down to the people who work in a household, which include people who work in a household. Then it goes to a husband, again, back to a husband and her children. And eventually gets the last verse. She's not giving anything. She's getting praised. Do love. Then we give her. So the ending of this ode is she gave so much to so many people. She can't do it anymore. She's getting older. Her powers are getting lesser. And now at the end, she probably passed away. And now we give her. We give her in her old age or towards the end. Of the, the eulogy is give her the fruit of her hands. Give her the praises. She deserves what she did in her youth, what she did in her, in her old age. Amazing. Amazing way of describing this uh, song. So we also have another concept, which is widening circles of actions and then lessening circles of actions. If we go through the verses, you'll see that, as we said, she starts off in the youth, uh, widening the circles of kindness. But if you look at the different uh, verbs used in the verses, you'll see as it builds up to a crescendo of verbs. She is doing, she is acting, she is doing things, she is very active. That's how the, the verses start off. And it builds up to a crescendo. It builds up to a numerical crescendo of verbs in the verses. Let's just go through them very quickly. So uh, if you look at it very quickly, you'll see the verbs. It starts off, Gemalatu Tovelora, she gives. And then it's then the next uh, group of verses say six verbs in that section, and then the third section it has eleven verbs. So from one verb to seven verbs 
to 11 verbs. She's so active, 11 verbs. Can you imagine 11 verbs? And then on the, in, the, in, the, in the fifth section, it gets smaller. She does this three verbs. And then it gets even smaller and smaller until we get to the end of the song. So in terms of, we see again this idea that she's going through the phases, youth, she's growing up, she's acting more, being more active, doing more acts of kindness, uh, active with everyone around her. And then she gets to middle age and all of a sudden she loses her strength and she's doing less, less acts of kindness. The, the concentric circles are getting narrower. And uh, until finally she is being acted on, we are praising her. Tanula, we are praising her. We are, we are the ones who are doing the action. She can't act anymore. She's too old or she's passed away. And this is the eulogy for her. But this Hak Leomacharon, that's the last day. She is laughing. She is happy till the last day. She is a happy person, a very positive spin. Her character is one of giving, one of kindness, one of joy, one of happiness. Her husband praises her, children praise her. Bezrat Hashem, this will be the women in our lives and the women that we know. This, should, uh, this song should describe them. And if not, they should work towards this end. Every woman should work towards this end. If it's talking about a woman at all, otherwise talking about the Torah, we had so many different ideas. It's talking about a woman who passed away. This is Ruth, Batsheva, other women in, in King Solomon's life that he knew. It could be just talking about an ideal person, an ideal woman. This, these are the ideals for a woman. So the question we have is, why does King Solomon end off his, one of his three major works, Mishlei, with this song about a woman? Why? What's going on over here? What's the connection of this song to the book of Mishlei? So we find there's a couple of connections. Number one, Mishlei praises industriousness. How do we know? Because in chapter six, it tells us, let go and see the industriousness of an ant. Go and see how it busies itself all day long and get wise. Be industrious. And here we have it in Eshachayel, we have the steam of industriousness. She is busy all the time. She's building up for her household. She's providing for everyone. She works hard industriousness. One of the themes of Mishlei is incorporated right here in Eshachayel. It's one of the fitting endings for the book of Mishlei. Number two, Mishlei praises wisdom. It says, Acquire wisdom. What's better than being sharp? And acquiring understanding is more precious than silver. And Eshachayel also ends off what does it end off with? Her lips open with wisdom. Again, one of the themes of Mishlei, he's ending off with this theme, with this, this ode to the woman who speaks with wise words. Mishlei talks about giving, the importance of giving, being kind. The one who is kind, he will make the bracha. He gives from his own bread to the poor person. Chapter 9. So, of two, Eshel Chayil talks about this woman, she gives her hands to the poor. We talked about she sends her arm to the poor person who is embarrassed, she sends out looking for him. Mishlei talks about the importance of fear of Hashem. Hashem tosif yamim. Fear of Hashem adds days to a person's life. And the years of evil people will be shortened. 
not in this world, definitely in the next world. So two, Eshet Chayel praises her, Ishai Yirat Hashem, a woman with a fear of God, he titalal, she will be praised. So we find connections. Why does King Solomon end off the book of Mishlei with Eshet Chayel? Because the same themes, the same values, these are values which are mirrored in the song that we sing every Friday night. Look at the values in the song. Next time you sing it on Friday night, pay attention to concentric circles. Number one is it has all the letters of the alphabet. It's a song about shleimut, a song about perfection. It's a song which incorporates every praise we could find to this ideal woman, whoever it was that King Solomon was singing about. And we find that it's concentric circles of ever-widening circles of chesed, of kindness. She's doing more and more kindness, first to her husband, then to her household, then to her maid, and then to uh, people on the outside, the poor, and the elderly, and the weak, and then to strangers, complete strangers, and then the ever-shortening concentric circles. She can't do it anymore. She's getting older. So the circles are getting narrower and narrower until we end up again to this kindness with her husband and with her, with her children. And then it ends off with us giving kindness to her and the concentric circles of actions, how busy she is, how industrious she is, what she does until she gets older and then she can't do any more. And then it gets, uh, again, why, uh, narrowing the concentric circles of industriousness or activity. And then we have all the connections, all the values which are talked about, which are the similar values that King Solomon's talking about in Mishlei, the book of Proverbs, wisdom, kindness, um, giving. Yeah, all these are values that he talks about, industriousness he talks about. In the book of Mishlei, a good eye, um, he talks about, which come back, which he talks about again. He ends up the book with this theme, all these themes in Eshet Hayil. So it's a perfect way of ending off this book. It encapsulates the values of Mishlei. So let me give you, let me end off tonight with this uh, Shabbat Shalom. From Yushalayim, and accordish many blessings in the coming days, the coming weeks, Bezrat Hashem. And next time you sing Eshel Chayil, sing it with gusto and think about the values incorporated. Thank you. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.